We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church. Let's turn to our reverse text for this week, and we're going to read aloud together Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 37. So please stand with me and let's read this aloud together. This then is the text for today. Jesus replied and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down on that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, who was on a journey, came up upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion for him, and came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, The one who showed mercy toward him. Then Jesus said, Go and do the same. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word. The road from Jerusalem to Jericho was troubled. For hundreds of years, locals called it the Bloody Pass. Now, they walked the path regularly, but you kept your head up and your eyes moving. Jesus walked this way with his disciples. It's, it's safer in a group. Not that Jesus needed the protection, but his disciples did. And the road from Jerusalem to Jericho is about 17 miles long, and you descended about 3,000 feet in elevation. And with this descent, travelers are led past these cliffs that are pockmarked with crevices concealing darkened caves that you never knew if the next overhang might be a den of robbers. You wouldn't want to walk from Jerusalem to Jericho alone. But sometimes you needed to. There were days that you had to walk the bloody pass by yourself. In fact, e even as late as 1820, there, in 1820, there was an English explorer named Sir Frederick Heinecker, and he was traveling this road from Jerusalem to Jericho, and along the way, he was attacked by armed bandits. They stripped him naked. They left him for dead. In fact, this is how he describes the aftermath of that scene in his own words. He said, it was past midday and burning hot. They bled profusely. And two vultures, whose business it is to consume corpses, were hovering over me. I should scarcely have had the strength to resist had they chosen to attack me. And so this is how Jesus begins this parable. 
The one we're in this week, Jesus begins, there was a man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jesus begins this way, he's answering a lawyer, and this lawyer who has come to him and, and wished to justify himself of a previous question that now seemed immature. And so he, he steps up to both trap Jesus and justify himself, and he goes before Jesus and he says, well, let me ask you this question, who is my neighbor? Who is the one that I'm supposed to love? Jesus, you help me understand who this is. And Jesus tells him this parable. And he begins, a man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And you see, for that audience in that day, the geography would have set the tone. This was the trail that you did not walk alone. So when Jesus continues this story with a man being beaten and left for dead on this road, they would have all said, we've heard this story before. You know, it'd be like someone around here saying there's heavy traffic on I-35 because it sprinkled this morning <laughs> and wrecks ensued. We all say that sounds about right. Now, Jesus' question at the end of the parable, though, it throws us a little bit because he seems to come at it from a different angle. Jesus asks, so who proves to be a neighbor to this bloodied man lying in the ditch? You see, the lawyer starts with, who is my neighbor? Jesus takes the parable and says, well, who is the man to the, to the bloody, who's the neighbor to the bloodied man lying in the ditch? And if you don't know the, the rest of the story, what's, what's the answer? If someone is beaten, lost, and left for dead, who is their neighbor? Because before we get to the proverbial Samaritan exemplar, there's a primary truth that undergirds this story. You see, one of the greatest tragedies of this earth is the far-reaching power of Satan. Now, Satan, we know, is not more powerful than God, but he can certainly pull the wool over our eyes, and his minions are more cunning than we'll ever be. And in their evil, they roam the earth. 1 Peter 5, 8 tells us that Satan prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. It is as if we are to think of ourselves and our lives as a walk across an African savanna. And a hungry lion crouches in the weeds ahead. You see, this life that we live is a lot more like going down from Jerusalem to Jericho than a stroll in the park. Now, we want life to be different. We want life to be a manicured garden with the only twists and turns being laid carefully by an arborist to bring us delight. But life isn't like that. Life is brutal and bitter. And life will beat you down like a man going from Jerusalem to Jericho alone. John chapter 10 points us in this direction. In fact, John chapter 10 tells us our, our lives are filled with thieves and robbers who are looking this very day to steal, kill, and destroy your life. Whether it is Satan, whether it's his minions, or people fueled by evil, there are those who will overwhelm your life with treachery today, setting steel-jawed leg traps to wound you before they pounce. Usually these traps are camouflaged with pleasures that entice your lust. We have weaknesses, and we drift towards them like a moth to a flame. 
And as you do, as you step towards them, the trap clamps down and the lions pounce to leave you deliriously bloodied in a ditch. In that moment, who is your neighbor? You see, this is what Christmas is about. What happened along the way in your life when no one else was in earshot, God heard you wincing. God saw your tears mix with blood on your cheeks. And God remedied your brokenness by sending Jesus Christ incarnate. Jesus came to fight your battles. He came to fight for you and on behalf of you. Jesus came to fight the battles against the rulers that we must face, against the powers, against the world forces of darkness. Jesus came to fight the spiritual battles against forces of wickedness. Jesus came to fight against Satan himself. You see, as it stands, Jesus came down and ripped the keys of death from Satan's crooked fingers so that your life might be preserved. That is our Savior and our Lord. In fact, listen to how Jesus does describe this in John chapter 10. In fact, here he's, he's telling a similar story, but with a different analogy, the analogy of a shepherd this is how Jesus describes a scene here in John 10, verse 7. So Jesus says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life, and have it abundantly. See, as it stands, every one of us have laid beaten in a ditch. If not physically, then metaphorically, we have all been there. And in that moment, when you realize that this world has beaten you down so that there was no fight left in your bones, who was your neighbor? First and foremost, the answer to that question is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ proved to be your neighbor at Christmas 2,000 years ago. You see, this, this truth is foundational to this passage. But then Jesus takes it another step forward for us. Jesus is using this parable of the Good Samaritan to call you then to grateful discipleship, meaning that if Jesus would do such a thing for you, then go and do likewise. If Jesus would condescend from heaven to earth so that you might be dusted off and bandaged up, would you not immediately go and offer the same kind of mercy to other people? You see, if you're committed to following Jesus Christ, you're going to walk along a path that he has set for you. Because for all of us, he has. Jesus has set out a way for you that is perfect and holy. And along this way that Jesus has set for you into your career, with your family, into the future, you're going to see all kinds of things along the way, including bloody ones in the ditches. You know, it's easier like the priest and the Levite in today's text. 
it's easier to ignore those ditches along the way. Because we, like the priest and like the Levite, we have all of these mental notes and warnings. It's, it's like we have these sticky notes in, in our minds that just say, beware. One of the sticky notes that we put up in our mind, it, it says, just beware. Stay out of the ditch. Stay as far away from the ditch as you possibly can. On this, this road Jesus has set for you, you stay in the middle and you keep going. We've got sticky note number one. And we've got sticky note number two over here. It says, beware. If there's somebody in the ditch, they deserve to be there. Leave them alone and you keep going. Sticky note number three, we, we put it up there. I'm pressing along following Jesus. I don't want any distraction along the way. Keep me with blinders on so that I see nothing else. And where we're going here is these kind of beware sticky notes we put all over the place. Often they are true. But sometimes we need to know when to ignore them. You know, it's easy to justify staying out of the ditches no matter what's going on over there. The priest and the Levite very well may have had good reasons to stay out of the ditch. Scholars can spend pages debating on whether or not they were justified staying away. But Jesus, here in the text, he isn't concerned about their mental gymnastics. They pass by and keep going, and Jesus lets them. Instead, Jesus moves to the third person, and this is where the parable shifts. And, and the parable shifts here with the third passerby. And generally, it is assumed that most people in Jesus' day, they're hearing this parable, they're used to hearing these kinds of stories, and they're, they're trying to find the hook, or they're, they're trying to find the unique turn in the parable as they are. And as they do, they think they know who the third person will likely be. You see, they assume that the third person would likely be a Jewish peasant. That as the story is unfolding, it seems like the religious hierarchy have failed this bloody victim. And so, the great hero should be a blue-collar Jewish fellow walking to work. It's likely what most of them would have assumed. But instead, Jesus introduces a Samaritan. And when he did, you might expect all of those self-respecting Jewish listeners to boo and hiss as if an enemy had just walked in. And Jesus, as he does even in our own lives, Jesus turns and makes the enemy a hero. Jesus transforms this half-breed into a full son. Jesus took someone this lawyer thought should have never had an inheritance, and Jesus gives the Samaritan everything, just like he gives you and I everything, a full inheritance as a son and heir of the kingdom of God. Jesus has been merciful and compassionate to us. And you know, if you have never received this compassion from Jesus Christ, today is the day it is time. If you are in a ditch this morning, broken and bloodied by this world, there is only one person to turn to, Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the very reason he came. This is why we celebrate Christmas. He came so that you might have life and have it abundantly, so that you could move from brokenness and bloodiness and loneliness to a home in the kingdom of God. He has gone to prepare a place for you to be received as an heir into his kingdom. If you are hurting this morning, cry out to Jesus and receive 
his mercy. Now, for those of us that Jesus has already picked up out of the ditch, we are to continue in grateful discipleship. And as this goes, then we are to spread the mercy and compassion of Jesus everywhere, like Joseph to his brothers in Genesis. Who is going to receive the compassion of Jesus Christ through you today? See, Jesus has set you out along the path, and there are going to be hurting ones that will walk across that path often. People in the ditch, they are not to be ignored. You see, they're there because the world is a brutal place, but they are there because Jesus has made it so that your path would walk right near them. Will you follow Jesus and be merciful? Will you live out what the Christ lived out when he came to this earth? Be a merciful servant for the sake of the kingdom of God. Let's pray together. Lord, pick us up, dust us off, wrap us up in your bandages. Lord, we know you no longer, no, no longer need them, but we certainly do. Lord, we want to know your compassionate touch this morning, and we beg you in these moments to reach down from heaven and be our healer that we might be saved, that we might inherit eternal life. It's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.